Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. Wow, we're in like the mid '80s now, and uh, it's uh, it's really carrying along. Got some wonderful, wonderful feedback on last week's episode with my dear friend Katie Marie Jones. She is just one of Vegas's treasures, and I was really, really grateful that we found some time after the course of like two and a half months of scheduling to actually sit down and have a wonderful conversation that we did. And uh, I appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, it was a very popular episode and uh, we'll continue to get listens as time goes on because all of my podcasts, uh, the goal is that they will all be staying available for the end of time or at least my life when I stop paying for it. Uh, and uh, iTunes has typically uh, cut off at 300 and after that they start bumping episodes. And as far as I'm concerned, anyone who's given me the time deserves to have that available. Uh, you know, even though projects are, are way in the past, uh, you might just be discovering a project that they did uh, 10 years ago for the first time, and this is great information about it, or you might have just discovered them as an artist, and you want to learn about them. So like, I, I still like going back and listening to interviews from the 60s and 70s from bands that I like, and uh, I, I learn a lot from them. And so I'm kind of hoping it's going to be the same thing here. So anyway, we're getting close to a third and uh, I, I hopefully will have confirmation by the time that this podcast comes out uh, of who my guest is going to be for episode 100. And I'm very, very excited about that. That should be airing, I think, sometime in March if uh, if everything goes according to the way it has been going. However, uh, you know, I get people that come on and they've got something to promote right away. And so I add an extra episode in there and then that changes the schedule uh, as far as the episode number goes. Uh, but anyway, I'm very excited to have this person on and we'll be back with details before that happens. So before I bring on my guest today, it was kind of a surprise. I happened to see uh, her post on Facebook about her new book, and uh, it looked really interesting. So I, I started talking to her about it, and then I asked her if she would like to come on the show, and she said yes. And uh, we all made we made that all happen very very quickly, which I was glad. Uh, Laurie Star Hoffman, I've known her for years, but we've never met. Uh, one of those people like you meet and you have like a really nice initial thing, and then you know you both get busy and you never really get to know each other. So it was really nice to, to chat with her. Uh, she's also known as or aka Lilith Stabs. And I think I think her IMDb is under Lilith Stabs, if I remember right. Um, but she's uh, she's done a bunch of movies. She's done all kinds of, uh, of photo shoots and modeling and stuff. And we get into all of that. Her new book is very interesting. It's a uh, I, I guess it would be a boudoir coffee table book. If I'm if I'm capturing that properly, um, but uh, but you can get it in PDF form, and the link is in the show notes. Uh, the the picture that you see with some of the posts. Now here's here's the thing. Some of the posts uh, for my promotion of the podcast come directly from the distributor Podbean, and when I do those, they have the logo of the show, and then there's other posts that I do myself. Uh, that go on like Instagram and the Hassencast podcast Facebook page. Those are uh, pictures that I am sent by the artist. Uh, or they say, uh, you know, pick from one of these or whatever, and they send me a bunch. Um, but that's uh, that's sort of a difference. So uh, if you're looking on either the Facebook fan page or if you're looking on Instagram or Pinterest, I should say also Pinterest, uh, you will see the picture that they sent me, which is one of the pictures from the book. A very beautiful, elegant picture, and it's really intriguing. Like it's one of those photos that 
I want to know what's happening. Like, I want a scene created around this photo. Like, why is uh, why is she looking in that direction? Why is she sitting this way? Why is she wearing that outfit? And I kind of want like a story to go with each one of those. But that's just the way that I tend to think. I'm not a, a very much if a picture interests me. I want to know, like, I want to create a story around it. And if it doesn't interest me, then just move on to the next one. Uh, but that's just me. And so uh, so she sent me over a lovely photo. So if you're not looking at that, uh, check out my Instagram page. Sometimes I don't post it on Instagram the same day as the release. Sometimes it's a couple of days later so that I do not bombard everybody with all the promotion at one time. I kind of spread it out a little bit. But uh, Pinterest and the Hasencast podcast page are uh, posted within like usually 30 minutes of the show uh, coming to air at 7 p.m. on Wednesday Pacific time. So those should be available uh, or shortly, depending on what time you're listening to the podcast. And then they stay in those photo albums uh they, they just stay. So uh, thank you so much to Lori Starr Huffman, uh, a.k.a. Lilla Stabs, for coming on the show. It's a it's an amazing-looking noir uh, sort of uh, photo book and uh, very, very classy. A lot of it is in black and white, which uh, personally I really like that. I think color, color kind of just gives you the story or gives you a little bit more. I think black and white adds a little bit of mystery to it and uh, kind of uh, – for me at least, it sparks my imagination more than color does, but uh, – I don't know. I'd be curious to see what you guys think about that. Send me a note at scott at scotthaskin.com, or you can do it at any of the various venues. I don't know that I get all the notes. Uh, I typically see the notes on iTunes. I see the notes on um, uh, my, like obviously my website, the Facebook group, Pinterest, all that stuff. I don't know that I see all the notes for Spotify or Google Play. So if you're leaving me notes there and I haven't responded to them, um, I may not have seen them. So feel free to resend those to me at scott at scotthaskin.com or to any of those other locations where the show airs. Uh, also, if you guys have any questions, any feedback, any guests that you want to see on the show, uh, anything like that, go ahead and send me a note at that email. And, uh, you know, I, I will try to accommodate Um some of these people have some pretty heavy guards that uh, it's pretty tough to get around. Hopefully, the longer that I do this and the more people that I bring on the show, they'll see more legitimacy in it and they'll not uh, just ignore the emails or maybe they're not even getting them. I don't know, because if you don't get any kind of response or a read receipt, uh, you don't really know what happened. So, but I am trying, I'm reaching out. I've got some wonderful people that are going to be coming on the show, uh, some interviews that I've already done and uh, some interviews that I've got lined up to do soon. Uh, But I've done all the interviews through the rest of the year and I'm actually working on scheduling my New Year's Day podcast interview and uh, and then we move into January. So uh, very excited about all the the positives that are going on here. Um, Just a couple things before I bring on our guest. Uh, My newest video, Winter's Tale, is now available uh, exclusively on YouTube right now. Um, I will probably add it to some Facebook pages and stuff later, but for right now, it's just on my YouTube channel. That link is in the show notes. I wrote the song many, many years ago for a very dear friend of mine, and um, when we reconnected uh, just a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, it would be fun to revamp this song and kind of give it a a bit of a modern sound uh, for where I'm at now, as I'm trying to do with all of my older songs as I re-release them in in the albums. And uh, our our, uh, reconnection just seemed like a good time to do it. And uh, she was very happy with it. And I'm grateful. So I ended up taking some of the blizzard footage uh, that happened earlier this year, I believe it was in February of 2019, when we had the blizzard here in Vegas. And I just sat out on my balcony and just filmed it for a little while. We don't see snow here very often. 
So it was kind of uh, it really felt out of place. It it was so uh, surreal to have snow going on here in the desert, but it does happen from time to time. And this was one of those nights. And of course, you know, I got to grab the camera and capture some footage and then put it to music. So that's what I did. Uh, also, one other thing uh, I do have on my website at www.scotthaskin.com, I have the uh, Mental Sauna 3 Christmas Inflection CDs are available. There are some left. Grab one of those. They are $10 plus $2 shipping anywhere in the world. And $5 of that purchase will be donated to Movies Making a Difference and help my dear friend Diana Davis. She works with uh, people that are in really bad situations that need shelter, that need to be removed from programming, whether it be a cult or a polygamous community, and she helps uh, get them an, a plan to get out. And sometimes the people that are, are holding them hostage or programming them have been prosecuted. Others have admitted their guilt and sort of uh, seems to uh, just, you know, finally realize the error of their ways or whatever. Uh, but she helps some people and uh, it's really important that this work continues. So I, I'm happy to do what I can. So uh, that, that portion of the sale will go directly to her. For her to uh, use for you know things like clothing and help pay for shelter and food and things for these people. Uh, sometimes people donate things, but they don't always. So they have to go to I would imagine places like Goodwill and find deals. Uh, you know, I saw some people donated like uh, mattresses and clothing and things, but they don't always get everything donated. So they have to pay for those things so that these people can start their life over and finally find some happiness and joy in the world and take uh, some control of their life and make decisions for themselves and be away from the oppression and tyranny. And uh, I fully, fully, fully support that. I think everybody has the right to have the opportunity to live a happy life. So uh, that's on the website at www.scotthaskin.com. And lastly, uh, thank you for all who have shared the podcast, who have liked it, who have uh, left reviews, uh, star ratings, uh, anything like that. It, it really helps and it means a lot because, it, you know, I can look at the download numbers and they're fairly consistent. They've been increasing quite a bit, but they haven't gone down at all. Uh, which is great, but you know it's it's always nice to to see more than just the numbers. It's nice to hear when an episode really connects with somebody or whether they just enjoyed it a lot. Um, like I said, I got some great feedback on my my episode last week with Katie Marie. So yeah, uh, keep that coming because it means a lot to me. It helps spread the word about the podcast, and the more that the word spreads, the more feedback I get, the more notoriety the show gets, uh, the more that uh, other people are going to be interested in coming on the show because they see some validity in it. And uh, I want to bring you more guests. I've got some pretty big ambitions. Some of them have uh, been promised and some of them I'm still working on. But I'm very excited to uh, to watch 2020 unfold. Uh, I'm not sure on the timing of some of these episodes because they deal with uh, artist releases and I haven't been given those dates yet, but they are forthcoming. So thank you guys very much. Please continue to do that. Write me if you have any questions, feedback, whatever. Uh, I'm always happy to, uh, to take some time and, and talk to anybody who's been listening to the show or who wants to get into it. Um, thank you guys very, very much. And uh, cheers. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as every week I say this, I'm very excited to bring on my next guest. I'm actually really, really excited because we've never talked before. We've known each other for a number of years, and this is our first time actually sitting down and chatting. And uh, I'm very excited about her new book, Noir 
Lilith Stabs photo book. And this this is a pretty amazing feat just to put this whole thing together and get it out there. And it's a really brave thing to do. I'm really excited. Let's bring her onto the show, ladies and gentlemen. Lori Star Huffman, aka Lilith Stabs. Lilith, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Do you prefer Lori or Lilith? Uh, I answer to either one. <laughs> I answer to a number of things myself, and some of them are not as pleasant. Uh, well, congratulations on your new book. Uh, let's let's talk about this. Um, well, let's let's actually talk about you a little bit before we get into the book. You are a model. You're an actress. You have all kinds of stuff coming up. What is your is there is there one that you prefer over the other, or do you just love doing it all? Uh, I love doing it all, but I mean, I do like a ton of photos. So, you know, I've always got, like, I'll see something when I'm out and, like, I make that my photo prop, you know, right. <laughs> just like locations and different things. I'm always amazed by your social media that it seems like you're almost always in a place that's just a great place to take a photo and you're you're dressed, your hair's ready. It, it's almost like you're just a walking photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd shoot more if I had somebody around, like a creative partner that oh, was sure. around all the time. But I don't have that at the moment, so <laughs> I shoot when I can. Sure. Well, you always find these wonderful backgrounds. And I mean, you live in California, and California is a, a very cultural and colorful place. But it just seems like you, you find these locations that I've never seen in any other picture that just are really suited for you to take a photo. Yeah, yeah, constantly, like I said, I see, I see things everywhere, just on a daily basis, out, you know, driving, running errands, I see things. And I, I like that. There are the, the models that will just, uh, they're good for showing up and, and doing the right thing and taking the right picture. And then there's the other kind of model, which is also sort of the visionary that creates the scenario. And uh, and I have to say, you're you're definitely the latter. Well, thank you. Thank sure. you. Sure. I mean, I also enjoy taking pictures of other people, too. So, I mean, it's not always just me. Sometimes I like to shoot other people as well. Well, it, is, it, uh, is it when you're on the other side of the camera, do you think, you know, if I were in the picture, here's what I would be doing? <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> and when I'm not behind the camera, when somebody else is, it can sometimes get frustrating for me because I'm thinking. Sometimes I'll be like frowning. Are they getting the shot I want? Right. <laughs> Right. You know, because then I'm really disappointed if I look and I see that they didn't. Right. Well, and, and I'm not good at directing people. I'm good at saying, yeah, I would have done that differently. But I'm not mm -hmm. good at directing people to get that result. Do you, is that something that you feel really comfortable with? Yeah, I'll tell them, you know, like, you should probably be standing about right here to get the shot that I'm trying to get. <laughs> you know, just a little hint. Right. You do understand that you're in the shade. Can you come out maybe where the sun is and we can get it? Right. You know, yeah. Like sometimes I'll actually just take a picture. I'll say, see this? Can you stand right here? Well, and you're, you're always so like you're, you're always perfectly dressed for your shots too. Is that something that you plan? Like, do you put an outfit on because you know, you're probably going to find a great place to take a photo or do you, is that just how you dress? And you're like, Hey, here's a good spot. Let's shoot something. Well, I mean, every once in a while, I'll already be dressed, and it's just something that I see. But most of the time, it's like a place I'll have already have planned to take the shot. So I'll know what wardrobe I want for that shot. 
that makes sense. And it, you you have a really interesting style. It, it's it's like there's something about you that's always recognizable. Yet at the same time, you really have a variety of looks. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah, I like to change it up. And sometimes I like to throw in like a vintage vibe with something modern. Well, it's good to mix it up too. And and I see so many people fo- posting photos that are really just the same thing over and over and over. And, you know, they, they may have a different outfit on or a different location, but it really feels like they just took the exact same thing and just changed sets. And right. it seems like everything I've right. seen from you, it's fresh and new every time. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Especially for as many photos as you post, it seems like you would have run out of stuff by now. Oh, no. It's always like backed up in my mind how many other things I need to shoot. That's good. Well, they I mean, they say the same thing about us as musicians, too. They say, you know, everything's been written already. What else is there left to write? And yet we always find some new way of doing things or some different thing and uh, to keep it fresh and interesting. So I'm I'm glad that you have that creative side of you. Right. Definitely. I know what you mean because I have done some songwriting and so I know what you mean with the music as well yeah there's always a way to come up with something new yeah and I can understand that there's only so many notes there's only so many scales there's only so many modes I get that but there's so many different tempos and different articulations and different uh, Mm -hmm. you know accents and things that I I really think yes from a mathematical standpoint it's limited I suppose but it's such a huge number that I don't really think it matters that much Right. And then when you throw in the lyric side of it and what you're saying, of course, you can that, you know, lends to it as well. Right. Everything can be so different because of that. What kind of songs do you like to write? Is there a particular style or, or uh, lyrical content? Um, probably just, you know, basically rock mm-hmm. is probably what would be best to describe what I do. Yeah. Do you sing as well? Um, you know, I'm not a great singer. I consider myself more of a vocalist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't consider myself either. It's just easier. (laughs) It's less painful. I have done some backup on some different people's things, and I've done a little bit of singing here and there. Well, and you're in a great location for that kind of stuff because there's so many different facets of, of the artistic community that you can really kind of jump from one thing to another and really keep it fresh. And do you do you ever find that things kind of get stale or do you find that you just you always have something different to do? Well, I always have things I want to do, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, if I don't have if it's going to require more than just me, sometimes it's frustrating if I don't have someone around that's capable of doing the other stuff that needs to be done. Yeah. And it's a shame that we're limited by things like that. And I think that there's certainly a lot of opportunity to do things ourselves, but especially taking a photo with anything more than a, you know, a five foot range, it, it gets tricky. I mean, it's so easy to think that you have the shot lined up, right. And then you take the picture and you find out you don't and three hours later, the sun's gone down and <laughs> it's still not there. Right. Yeah. Right. I could appreciate that because sometimes I, you know, I could use another musician or a singer or something to be uh, at, at my uh, at, at the ready, I suppose, to uh, to be able to pitch in and help. And it is hard to find people that have the time because we're all busy as artists. But, uh, right. you know, it would be nice to see some more trade off. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about your your world of acting because I'm not surprised that you said that you like to to do rock because as a 
as a an actress who's been in a lot of horror films, that seems to be about the right genre, you know, rock or punk. Uh, right. Do you, do you uh, was horror something that you specifically went into, or did that just kind of happen? No, I specifically wanted to, so I did a little networking at conventions, and then that you know basically happened from doing that. Yeah, it's such a fun genre, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, you can be really, really well known in that genre, and nobody else knows who you are. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like I've done these twenty movies, but hey, you know, only those people that are, you know. And then it seems like people, you know, every few years there'll be new fans, and those new fans don't even know you, right? But then that's a, a great opportunity for them to get to go back and watch your catalog and discover all the things that you've done. Right. Is there uh, is there a character that uh, in particular w- was one that really sticks out in your mind as being one that you would love to play again if you could? You know, I always feel like people ask me, okay, well, which was your favorite that you've done? I feel like I haven't done my favorite yet. Ooh. I feel like because... I have ideas of my own and some things I'd like to shoot. So I feel like one of those projects, if I got that done, would be my favorite. I like that because that really leads uh, a lot of open territory for the future. Right. Yeah. And and that's something that you're going to be getting back into, right? Because you've taken a little bit of a hiatus from acting to do other projects, but you've got some stuff coming up. Right. Well, I had a lot of personal life stuff going on for a few years. Yeah. That's kind of why the big break in my acting stuff. So I didn't retire. I just was gone for a bit. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's understandable. You know, it's uh, life sometimes does get in the way of our art. I think that we've we, but but it's obvious that it's such a part of you that you want to come back to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, other than circumstance, I can't imagine spending my time doing anything else. And no matter how much I do, uh, I'll be doing it until it's, you know, I take my very last breath. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, how soon before you'll be starting a, another movie project? Do you know at this point? I don't know yet. I definitely think in 2020, some things should be coming up. Oh, good. Well, we're almost there. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. It is closer than we think. Now, you write music. Do you write uh, film or stories as well? Um, well, the film I could write if I oh. had an idea that it was actually going to get done. I know so many people that, you know, they'll do these scripts and then nothing happens. Yeah. Because they don't have the money or they don't have the people to work on it or just there's so much in the way that they can't get it done. And I don't want to be one of those people. Right. Yeah. I think the thing is, though, is that if you if you just go for it, if you give it everything that you have and uh, if it if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You can take what you've learned on that and move it to the next project. Maybe the next project will go. Um, I think there's always value in it if you can find it. But it's also easy to let that just kind of decimate you and go, you know what? I've written five things and none of them have gone anywhere. We haven't even shot one. You know, that that does get. uh, uh, Right. That would be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. 
for sure. I've scored a, a lot of projects that never got finished. And um, especially when you're that close, when you're in post-production and you're you're actually at the point where you're adding the music and for it to not cross that finish line when you're so close, it, that is a very frustrating part of the, of the business for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really excited uh, about this book. Explain uh, explain kind of what people are getting into with this one. Well, it's going to be a lot of black and white and a lot of lingerie-style photography. I really like pantyhose and, you know, the hosiery thing has been something I've always liked. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a lot more photos that revolve around that. Yeah. Even just looking at the cover of the book, and the link, of course, is in the show notes for you guys that are listening. Uh, it's a, it's such an intriguing photo. How did you pick that outfit and that picture to be the uh, the cover? Well, it was one of the shots that but we liked the best from that shoot. So... It worked well, I think, also for the cover because of that, <laughs> obviously. Sure, yeah. 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 It's a great shot, so intriguing, and especially with, uh, I think the mask was a really nice touch, too, because it adds just another layer of mystery to the picture. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you know I love rabbits, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So I have, like, a full-on collection of rabbit masks. So look for more of those shoots in the future. Oh, those are always so interesting. Uh, <laughs> how long did it take? Like how many uh, shoots or over what period of time was it that this book has been in, in the works? Um, probably a few different shoots at different times, like a couple months apart. And was it something that uh, it was you really planned things ahead uh, to, to the detail or was it something that you said, you know what, I'm feeling less, let's shoot it? I think it happened pretty much after we realized the amount of photos we actually had was worthwhile to do this for. Did did a lot end up uh, not making it into the book? Well, yeah, there's always some that you just don't use. Mm-hmm. For sure. Is there is it a, is is there a one theme overall, or is it just a series like a succession of shots? Um, yeah, it's more like different succession. Succession. <laughs> Not an easy word I picked to say, is it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and I think it, it's a it's a bold thing to put out into the world. I think it takes a certain element of confidence and bravery and and determination to uh, just kind of expose yourself that way and. Did you find it? Do you find it difficult at times to do those shoots, or or is it something that just really comes naturally to you now? I think it really comes naturally to me now. I mean, I'm really glad that I, at my age, can still do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm at an age where a lot of people start not doing that stuff. Sure, <laughs> you know. Was there was there a time where you looked at these and thought, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do this, maybe I shouldn't? Did you have some doubts at some point? Mm, not really. Oh, good. Did you set out to, to do the book when you started these shoots, or did you just start doing the shoots and go, you know, we could do something with this? Um, no, we didn't start out with that because um, it was mainly we started out to do stuff for the comic book stuff. Mm-hmm. And then once we were, you know, 
doing more and more shoots and more and more outfits and wardrobe changes. So, you know, that's when it became like, oh, well, we could do a coffee table style book of this. And I think that's exactly it. I love the coffee table book idea. I love the idea that you could just, you know, you're, you want something that's going to make you smile and you can just pick up the book and open it up to any random page and, and find something. And I, I've, I've always loved that about coffee table books. But the noir style, I love that you chose black and white for most of it because I think that that's far more intriguing than color. Right. I do too. I think you get enough of the sense, like you know what it would look like if it was in color, but this gives it just a different dimension. I think it brings out more than color does. Yes, I agree. Yeah, good choice on that. Was there a, was there like a particular strategy for, okay, I'm going to wear this outfit and I'm going to use that room or was it kind of just come together? That one kind of just came together. Because, I mean, when I'm shooting, like, more of the lingerie-type stuff, obviously, you're going to be more limited on where you can shoot it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, that was, like, the room that I chose for that. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have to be somewhere where you're going to be comfortable as well. Right. You know, I mean, a lot of people will take shots where they're not comfortable, and I don't mean you can't do that. But especially if you're shooting something that has a little bit more of a an intimacy to it, you don't want to be shooting that, you know, at the library. Right. At least not during open hours. Anyway. Well, I mean, I might do that if they'd let me. <laughs> well, there's that brave and bold part I was talking about. Right. <laughs> no, that's very cool. And so what what is it that you want people to, I guess... When they look at the book, what is it that you want people to feel? What do you what do you want them to be, uh, you know, experiencing while they're looking at the pictures? Well, I guess just if there's somebody that likes me, admires me, then they should just enjoy looking at the photos. I believe. See, I tend to be one of those people that looks too deep into things, and instead of just looking at a nice photo on the surface, I I tend to look at it and go, well, okay, yeah, that's a nice picture, but what is she thinking? Why is she looking out the window? What is she seeing? You know, I tend to just <laughs> yeah. overthink things way too far. Well, I guess some advertising wants you to do that. Certain, you know, advertisements that are out. That's true. Like if you see someone looking a specific way or looking at something, then we kind of know what they're looking at or what they're thinking because of that. Mm-hmm. Because it's an ad and it's supposed to portray that, whatever the thing is. <laughs> that's, you know, that's very true. And I, I remember seeing um, a documentary some years ago. There was a test that, that uh, these people had done on three different advertising companies. They flew them all in to put a bid on, a, on an advertising campaign. And uh, they drove them down a specific path. And they put certain things out into the world that they would see, and it would sort of implant subconsciously certain images in their head so that when they individually came up with their campaigns, they wanted to see if the campaigns would be basically the same based on all these elements that they put out for these people to see. And it turns out they were all very similar. Right, right. That doesn't surprise me that they would come out, you know, with similar 
similarities. Mm-hmm. And and with I mean, there's so much programming in advertising. There's the subliminal stuff. There's the stuff that's right in front of us that we see and we still fall for it. Which I don't know whether I should feel <laughs> bad about that or not. I feel I kind of do. I I kind of feel like I should be smarter than that. Well, I'm not though. Yeah, I know, but I always think, as far as advertising goes, I, I guess I'm kind of not your normal person because. As far as sales, like in a store or a car lot or something, no one can sell me anything because I already know what I want. Sure. But do you ever get cravings based off of something? Like, do you ever just find yourself humming a tune? And you're like, why do I want pancakes all of a sudden? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that I do find myself like with music stuck in my mind, like yeah. something, you know, like if you hear a song once, a certain song once it's going to be stuck in your mind for like a week. Oh, sure. And, and if it's associated with a product, that's where they get you. And I remember watching, I think it was the incredible shrinking woman and her husband worked for uh, Lily Tomlin's husband worked for some advertising agency. And they did this commercial for a product called galaxy glue. And the jingle was just one of those things that you just get stuck in your head and you'll be driving down the road and you'll be like, da, 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 da. And, and you don't know where it's coming from. And you're like, why is this stuck in my head? I mean, they're very, very good at that. But in a book, you have to do that without any of those other mediums. You have to draw people into a picture. You have to, to make it interesting and something that they're going to want to kind of dig into a little bit. That's really not an easy thing to do. Right. I know. I agree. I find that that so many photos are really just that. They're just photos and they're not. um, I I guess I personally, I kind of want a story. I want something to at least imagine a little bit of what's going on behind it. Like I could look at the cover and go, well, she probably came home from work. She had a really tough day and she just wants to be empowered and feel good and sexy and have, you know, her, her rabbit ears or her mask on and really just kind of wash off the day. But somebody else might look at that and go, you know what? She's just, she's just ready for some good loving. (laughs) You never know what people think, right? Right. But that's, I think that's part of the interesting thing is that you could have one per, or, you know, one picture that a hundred different people look at and get a hundred different ideas of what that picture is about. Right. Yes, you can. But is there is there something that you specifically want people to feel in any of the pictures? Or are you really just as long as they feel something, as long as they enjoy it, I'm happy? Right. As long as they feel something and enjoy it, mm-hmm. that's good with me. See, I tend to do that with my instrumental music. Like I... I might have a certain thing that I'm picturing when I write it. Like I might be thinking about flying or being under the sea or being on the beach. And I don't care if anybody necessarily thinks of that specific thing when they listen, as long as it stirs some sort of emotion and makes them happy or makes them feel something. I think I've won. Right. But photos are so, they're so personal, don't you think? Yes, I do. I do think they are. Was there anything that you thought when when you were looking back at any of the shoots that you did that you thought, you know what, this is this is a little too much. I'm not going to put it in the book. Not really, because I mean, there's <laughs> things I just don't do as far as photos go. Sure. So, yeah. so I don't have to censor myself. I mean, I always feel certain photos, certain shots are better than others. 
Sure. Well, and I would imagine because you're very experienced at this that you pretty much knew what you wanted going into the shoot that you wouldn't have a lot of pictures that that you would need to say that about because they just wouldn't have been created. Well, to an extent, yes. But I mean, like, even like somebody that has the greatest physical perfection on earth, you you take 50 photos of them and only some of the photos are going to be ones that you'd want to use. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the beauty of it is that you have so many to choose from and even the slightest difference in angle can really change the feel of the picture. Right. You know, or the, the especially sunlight really has a an impact on that too, the way it might come through a window and it might just cross a part of your shoulder that really just makes the picture interesting. But if that same light was on your neck instead, it might not be anything at all. And that's what I love about photography. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. So is what was the uh what was the initial attraction to doing it as a as a lingerie shoot? Um, I guess because I mean, I, obviously I've been doing that, you know, since the eighties or nineties, but a lot of my stuff maybe didn't show quite as much. Yeah. Well, there wasn't as much exposure back then either. I mean, now it's so easy to get uh, material out there, but now we're also buried in the element of the fact that anybody can just get material out there. Right. Do you find it hard to cut through that, that sort of social media cloud? Um, well, I mean, the social media thing's been weird because, you know, back like, okay, when the first stuff that started was, Everybody was on live shows for a right. while, right? And then that one, I'm kind of surprised that people left it and went to Facebook because Facebook was a lot more limiting, whereas you could, you're allowed to have millions of people on your Facebook. Right, yeah. I mean, I mean, on your uh, MySpace, but uh, right. when you get on, when you switched over to Facebook, it had capped off at 5,000, and that was before they started, you know, putting out the actor pages, musician pages, everybody just had the personal pages. And, you know, once you're, you're on that, you're kind of stuck with it. <laughs> well, I think the initial idea behind uh, MySpace was that it was really for a place for artists to showcase and have people follow them and kind of build their brand a little bit. And Facebook wanted to do the opposite of that, and they really wanted it to be more family and friends oriented. So that's why they limited it, because who really has 5,000 friends that aren't, you know, if you're not an artist? Right. So what happened was, though, is that the more artists got on there, as MySpace started to become so ad heavy, uh, they started lim- they started uh, opening it up a little bit to have like the like pages and the groups, because they realized that they could monetize that. While still keeping like you can't you shouldn't be putting ads on your personal page that should be in your group or your like page. Uh, we do it anyway, but that wasn't the original right. intent. Right. But, you know, when money's involved, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Yeah, I do. I do look back on the the good old days of MySpace, though, very fondly. I really loved it there. I would I don't know how many times I redesigned my profile and put different songs up to showcase. But uh, in the end, like now, it's it's just so ad heavy and so awkward to get around. I was on there a couple months ago and I couldn't even figure out how to get into my friends list. 
And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I know. Now it's like an abandoned amusement park. (laughs) (laughs) This is the perfect description of it. Yeah. And what's funny now is that every once in a while, I'll get uh, a notification from MySpace saying that somebody just became my friend. I'm like, what? I don't even get to approve my own friends anymore. Oh, I know. I do. I get that too. Yeah. Like I should probably ask them, who should I date or who should I marry? What house should I buy? You're just making decisions for me. Do it, you know? Right. But I, I'm so now I'm so used to Facebook that I, I didn't want to leave MySpace and I tried Facebook and I didn't like it and I left. And then a friend of mine wanted to play uh, a, like a Scrabble game uh, with me. And she's like, well, you have to be back on Facebook. I'm like, all right, well, I'll just sign in just to play the game with you and, and that'll be it. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, but why aren't I using this platform too? It's there. It's free. Why wouldn't I utilize it? Mm-hmm. And that was the end of the world. Right. I know. And then people uh, were all like on Twitter for a while. And right. They, now it's Instagram. And, you know, then they like, they all gravitate towards these different ones and start ignoring the other ones. Yeah. And, and Instagram seems to have come and gone fairly quickly as far as, I, I don't know if it's that it's just so flooded now or what, but I, when I used to post something and I'm using very similar hashtags now, I would get, you know, within an hour, I would get 30 or 40 likes on, on a photo or a video. And now like within three days, I'm not getting five. Right. Yeah, I know. It's, it's weird. I, you know, I'll post on it a few times a week just to keep it active. Mm-hmm. but. I don't, you know, I never really ever went all out on there. So a lot of people probably don't even realize I'm on it. <laughs> oh, that could be. Well, she's on it, ladies and gentlemen, and the link is in the show notes. So go and follow her. <laughs> yes, this is true. They should. They should. Well, you have some great content. And and like I said, I mean, everything you do is just so different from everything else. And I, I just, there's so few people I see that really have that that edge to them. Well, thank you. But do you get what I get? Like, if you don't post for a day or two, uh, or somebody doesn't post for a day or two, they'll give you a notification like, so-and-so posted for the first time in a while. I'm like, they just posted yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I see that. And I'm like, what are they talking about? They've been posting. Yeah. Can you define what a while is to you? Like, do you expect everybody to be on there like every two or three hours or like what's, you know, where's your line here? And and uh, Facebook does the same thing with my groups uh, and my like pages. They're like, uh, you haven't posted anything on this page in a while. I'm like, I posted two hours ago. <laughs> Literally right. two hours. Yeah. I mean, it's like they just want you to like have it follow your whole life. I yeah. guess. I mean, some people do. They're posting constantly. I mean, that's that's fine, too. But I'm not going to do it that much. Yeah. But do you find, like, I find that that most of the people that post that constantly are not artistic people. Most of them not. But, you know, maybe a few of them, maybe they were at one time doing something. And Mm -hmm. this is just their way of staying in touch now. Right. Or if they're on tour and they're, you know, they're traveling all over the world, they're post, they'll post about, you know, the arenas like that. I can yeah, understand. Showing things. Right. It, yeah. It's really weird. It's like artists you would think are the ones that are constantly trying to promote, but it's more like the people that are trying to find their way and, 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 you know, get some attention. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's like, those are the people that seem to be posting constantly. And the artists are like, well, I'll let you know when I have something new coming out or, you know, hey, I thought you might like this. We're a little more casual about it. Right. Yeah, I think so. 
maybe because we're busier, we have we have more yeah, going on with the we art. have things that we are going to do or we're wanting to do or working on or something. Yeah, <laughs> and I just don't find whatever the top of my cup of coffee looked like that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to to post for everyone to see. Right. Yeah. Yes, I know what you mean. But I try to keep in mind, okay, I'll give you this example. There was a guy uh, here in Vegas that used to play steel drums in front of the MGM Grand. And he wasn't an employee of them. He was just like a, a guy that would show up and play for a while and disappear. And I, you know, I was walking two or three nights a week down the strip back then. And I thought, God, I'm so sick of seeing this guy. But then I realized that every night he's got completely different people that he's seeing. I'm one of the very few people that sees him all the time. Right. Constantly different crowds. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of have to look at like the memes that I've seen over and over again in the, in the similar kind of posts, like when people are excited about their meal or their coffee. I, I try to keep that same thing in mind that, yes, I've seen this post a bunch of times, but there's plenty of people that have never seen anything like that. Right. Right. But I'm still sick of a lot of <laughs> But I don't, I don't, I'm not really on there as a viewer that much. Are you? No. Like when I get on, I may scroll a little bit to see, you know, what the last few people that said something are, but, you know, that's it. Yeah. I'm kind of glad we didn't have that in the 80s. But in a way, I kind of wonder how different would our lives be now if we had those kind of media outlets back then? <laughs> yeah. I imagine there probably would have been a lot of posting going on in the 80s if, if it was out there at the time. Yeah. I mean, we had what? We had like Teen Beat Magazine and, and a few of those uh, kind of things. But for the most part, unless you were in something major... It, it, and at least it, it, an independent film had to have some kind of like studio distribution or something to even get noticed back then because there just wasn't uh, – it was too expensive to put magazines out. So you wouldn't focus on things that no one had ever heard of. True. Yeah. Whereas now everything is is able to be found very easily. Yeah. 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 Uh, Google search you know, yeah. and then you find it. Yeah. I well let's talk about uh this this comic work that you're doing. Now your book is uh is available through uh Full Metal Femmes and let's talk about uh that and and what all that entails and how that ties into the comics. Well, I mean, Everett is the artist and I mean some of his work is as far as the comic books go. He does work with other artists as well, and they do some of the artwork for the comic books that he's putting out. So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure who's going to be doing the artwork. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure. He changes it up a lot. <laughs> I'm not real <laughs> sure which comic books actually I'm going to be in. He said, you know, I might use your character in a few different ones, but you'll be your character. Obviously, Lilith, you know. Sure. So I, I can't really name a specific title, what I'm doing in it, or anything. <laughs> well, the good thing is, since everyone's following you on Instagram now, that won't be a problem. Right. Right. <laughs> when I find out different details, of course, I will put notices up about that. Right. Do you have any any control or say so over what happens to your character? Like, do they have to approve certain things for you from you to use your likeness? Well, no, no, I let him do that. You know, when I we were 
you know, not a release on that. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, you know, it's a character, so I'm particularly not going to flip out if it does something I wouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how dare you make my character do that? I right. never do that. <laughs> well, plus it's a comic book. I'm sure there's plenty of things right. that would go on that you would never have a real life application for. Right, right. Yeah. But that's that's really cool though that somebody wants to take a, a character that you've created and immortalize them in a in a story and that they're inspired by you. How does how did that feel to you when they first approached you? Oh well, I've always liked that. I've always you know enjoyed doing stuff, appearing in comic books and stuff. I did some back in the late 90s, early 2000s, those were Everest as well. And then there was a couple other ones too. But yeah, I mean, I've always liked that. It's great to be immortalized that way. Oh, sure. And and having, uh, being that you've known Evan for so long, I mean, obviously you have full trust with him now. Right, right, I do. What did it, What was it like for you the first time that you saw a comic that you were in? Oh, it was great. I mean, you know, a proud moment, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, finally, because, you know, you think about it probably a few years before you do that, you know, you're like, oh, I'd really like to do that. <laughs> and, and then it happened. Like, wow. Because I basically, I had wanted to do the comic book thing and I'd wanted to do the horror movie thing and basically got into both right around the same time late 90s and that was such a great time for horror movies too yes it was well it, it's almost always been a good time for horror movies though <laughs> i know yeah but they have gone through some cycles where it's like uh you know the saw thing was was really big for a while and it was all about the torture movies and mm-hmm. you know i don't i don't mind if it makes sense to the story but when they're doing things i think that's just to be let's see how far we can take it and and like it gets beyond the story, it loses me a little bit. Right. Yeah. The horror stuff does go through phases like that, where it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of slasher type stuff or a lot mm. of torture type stuff or just tons of sequels, tons of sequels, you know? Right. It's, it's almost like they're like, hey, there's a gold mine right now. Let's try and get everything we can out of it and then we'll move on to the next thing. Right. You know, uh, I, I, like movies that are more psychological, I think, mm-hmm. than than just yeah. the, the, you know, I don't mind the direct gore. And I kind of really love that as a kid. But as I've gotten older, I, I guess I, I've hopefully developed a little more intellectually. And I want, you got to give me at least a good story with it. Right. Or, or at least something that I don't, I can't figure out the ending in the first 10 minutes of the film. Indeed. Because they're, they're typically very straightforward. But uh, but I still love them. I mean, I I, I love the uh, the idea of new things being developed. Like I remember when I saw the Human Centipede, I loved that movie because it was not a concept that had ever been touched at all. It was something that was incredibly new. And having grown mm-hmm. up on movies like The Exorcist and Halloween and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and so many replications of those movies, I just thought it was really good to see something completely fresh. Right. It was completely different. Yeah, I mean, it ruined my life for about a year, but (laughs) (laughs) but that's okay. That's why we watch those things, I suppose. Right. Yeah. So, how did you come up with the character of Lilith, though? Um. Well, back in the late nineties, 
I did a little bit of uh, professional domination, uh-huh. and I used Lilith as the name that I chose. And then I heard somebody saying the last name that I thought was Stabs, but it wasn't. And then I was like, ooh, that would go very well with Lilith. So I just took that as my name. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love when things happen organically like that. Yes. It can be the best. Oh, sure. A professional dominatrix, did you, that's an interesting field. Was that something that was easy for you to start doing? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Because obviously being the dominatrix, you can choose what you do and don't do. That's true. And there's a lot I didn't do. (laughs) (laughs) But that's good though. That's, That's good that you drew lines and you stuck to those lines. I can really respect that. Yeah. But that's, were you aggressive or were you just like directive? More directive. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I should be able to say it with a whisper and get it done. Oh, I like that. I like that <laughs> because typically you think dominatrix, you think, you know, almost like an angry voice, very, uh, you know, military direction almost, you know, and, and, and not accepting anything other than complete surrender. But if you can get that same thing accomplished with a gentle voice, that's interesting. Yes. How did you get into that work? Well, I mean, actually, I had a boyfriend for a while, and he told me about his ex-girlfriend, and he said, yes, he was this really well-known dominator. And he showed me who it was, and I was like, do you want to... I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I saved that in my mind for the future. I also kind of got the comic book idea from him, too, because he was a collector of comic books. And I looked through his stuff, and I was like, I'd like my own comic book. <laughs> Is, isn't it amazing how one person can have such an effect on the yeah. direction of our entire lives? Even just one casual conversation can lead to a completely different direction than we would have ever considered without that. Right. And they're not suggesting it to you. You're just, it's just coming from that. You know, it's right. odd. Well, I think that's part of the creative side of us, though, don't you? I mean, everything that you see that you're exposed to, the first question goes to, how can I do something with that? Right. Yes. Instead of, oh, that's neat. I've never seen that before. We're like immediately turning into a product. Right. (laughs) That drives me nuts sometimes. Well, I guess that's the difference between people who just don't do creative stuff. They probably look at it and think, oh, that's interesting. But yeah. The creative people that want to do stuff look at it and they're like, oh, I like that. Maybe I can do something with something like this, but my own thing. Right. And we can't shut that off. I've tried to just go out and not, you know, not really think too deeply about anything and not find opportunities. Like just take a walk and enjoy nature. But I find that even when that happens, I hear a different rhythm in my footsteps or the the way that the birds are, are making their sounds. And I'm starting to turn that into a song. Uh, can you shut that off ever? No, no, definitely not. Yeah. I mean, I'm grateful that, that I have that ability. And, and I certainly understand that that's something that not everyone has. And I, and I appreciate it. But at the same point, I kind of wonder what it's like just for a minute to not be able to do that. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'll know either. <laughs> That's all right. I'll I'll take it. I'll, I'm perfectly happy with it the way it is. Right. So, well, thank you so much. I, I'm really excited about your book, and I hope that uh, a lot of people take some time to check it out. If the cover doesn't draw you in, I don't know what will. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. It was great to talk to you and talk to everybody else, too. Yes. Well, definitely uh, You know, send me the, the links when the comic book stuff comes out, too, and your films, and I'll, I'll keep everybody apprised of that. But, of course, they're all following you on Instagram right now. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lori. I, I really wish you the best on this book and congratulations because I really think that it takes a, a certain element of strength and boldness to put something like this out there for people to see and uh, just kudos for doing it. Well, thank you again. You bet. You take care and come see us again. All right. I will. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, my interview with my dear friend, Lori Star Huffman, a.k.a. Lilla Stabs. Uh, her book is available. The link is down below and you can get it in PDF form, which means you don't have to wait for it to ship to you. You can just get it uh, pretty quick. So thank you guys. Join me again next week. I will be back Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time, even if I can't say it. And I really appreciate you guys coming aboard for another show. Uh, give Lilla some love and uh, check out her movies. She's got uh, quite a few. So, uh, and looking forward to seeing what she does in the future. Thanks, guys. Uh, remember to share, like, uh, star ratings, reviews if you have a moment. Uh, definitely very much appreciated. Shout outs to my friends at the Deep Purple Podcast, as well as the Levity Show. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>